songs, and uh, aren't you glad for his faithfulness uh, that he never changes? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust him. Uh, he doesn't, uh, no matter what goes on, no matter what craziness is happening, no matter what the headlines say, he's still faithful. And uh, that's an encouragement and a blessing. Well, tonight we're going to go ahead and uh, start our new series that I announced on Sunday night. Uh, this series called The Blueprints of Prayer. And uh, we're going to be looking at the different, the different prayers in the Bible. There's a lot of prayers in the Bible. We won't probably look at all of them uh, because there's other things we want to we talk about. But I do want to take some time uh, this year to look at some of the prayers in the Bible to learn from them, to apply them to our lives and to our own prayer life, to grow in this area. And so uh, tonight we're going to start with, really, it's not even a prayer that anybody necessarily prayed in the Bible. Uh, it's the model prayer. And, uh, you know, Jesus kind of prayed it, but uh, he was really kind of teaching it as uh, uh, instruction and uh, as, as education to the disciples. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be tonight, if you want to go ahead and turn over there. And uh, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. And most of you know that Matthew chapter 6 is kind of right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And uh, one of the things he talked about in that particular sermon was on prayer. And so in verses 5 through 13, and I'll go ahead and read all these verses says uh, in verse 5, it says, And when thou prayest. So even right away, he's, there, there's an assumption or an insinuation that we're all supposed to be praying. He didn't say, And if thou prayest. He said, When thou prayest, right? There's a, uh, an expectation that we all as believers should be uh, spending time in prayer with our, uh, with our Heavenly Father. So when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, again, another, uh, when you're praying, and verse 6 says it again, when you're praying. Uh, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And then here we get into uh, this model prayer. A lot, of, a lot of times people refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. Um, but uh, I like to look at it and, and uh, as more of the model prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And uh, with that, uh, let me go ahead and pray. I think that's an appropriate thing to do uh, before we uh, talk about prayer. 
So let's do that. Lord, uh, we do come before you once again, and uh, we thank you for who you are. We do thank you for your faithfulness that we sang about a few moments ago. Uh, we do thank you for your word and uh, how it instructs us in every area of the Christian life, especially in this area of prayer. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this year that uh, you would help us to be uh, more effective in our prayers and, uh, Lord, to be more faithful in our prayer life. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to grow in this area this year. And I pray that uh, tonight would be a help to that end. And uh, we ask these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, one of the, before we get into this passage that we have before us, I do want to share one verse with you in Luke chapter number 11, that as Luke records this particular uh, portion of uh, the Sermon on the Mount and uh, his instruction regarding prayer, uh, before, before that instruction came to pass, in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1, he said, this is what happened here, and it says, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, so, I mean, this was a, this was a little bit of a different area. Um, this wasn't part of the Sermon on the Mount, but um, it says, It came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us not how to pray necessarily, but teach us to pray. Um, see, uh, a lot of people like to know how to do something, but knowing how to do something and actually doing it are two different things, right? I know how to run, but am I running? <laughs> no, I don't, because I don't want to run. It's a lot of work. I get tired. I get sweaty. And uh, I get passed by my son. He, like, laps me when we run together. And it's kind of embarrassing. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do this. Neighbors are watching. Okay, this isn't, this isn't very nice. And uh, he just does that. Luke is Mr. Competitive. Okay, see, knowing how to do something and, and doing it are two different things. And so his disciples said, please, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, obviously, there's, uh, an, uh, you know, in order to do something, we need to know how to do it. But then also, I mean, there was, uh, there was a desire that they would actually go ahead and pray and that uh, we need to be taught to pray. And uh, I think that that's the case for Christians. I think uh, most of us are familiar with some of the passages like what we're going to be going through tonight. Uh, most of us have been in church for a while, and we have heard the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Uh, we, we know these things, and, and uh, we've been in church for a while. But uh, are we praying? I mean, Lord, not just teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. And so that's the idea behind this series is that, yes, we would learn how to pray, but then... Hopefully, we actually go ahead and pray, that actually we go ahead and practice what we learn. And so that's the encouragement for this whole series. Okay, back to Matthew 6, and uh, verses 5 and 6, um, we're going to really kind of spend most of our time in verses 9 and 10 tonight, and then next week we'll pick it up probably in verses 11 and 12 and 13 and uh, it'll be kind of a two-part message to go through the whole model prayer because there's so much in this. And uh, I know really we could take a whole, uh, a whole service on each one of these segments. There is enough 
to do that, but uh, I want to kind of move on, and there's a lot of other things I'd like to get to in this series. But uh, verses 5 and 6, Jesus is encouraging us uh, when we pray to pray in secret. Uh, Verse 5, when thou prayest, don't pray like the hypocrites do. They like to stand in the synagogues, and of course I'm standing in a church, which is sort of like a synagogue here, and, uh, and, I, and I pray publicly, and uh, I, I suppose I already have my reward because I, I do that. Um, but the encouragement here is don't, don't pray and let, your, let everybody in the whole world know about your prayer life. Uh, verse 6, he says, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. doesn't have to be an actual literal closet, although it can be. Um, but when thou hast shut thy door... And uh, when you're just alone, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So the encouragement in verses 5 and 6 is to not be uh, so public about your prayer. Um, to not be uh, you know, letting everybody know how much time you spent in prayer and all of that. Because when you're doing that, you're bringing the attention back on yourself instead of where it needed to be in the first place, which was on the Lord. So the encouragement in verses 5 and 6, pray in secret. The encouragement in verse, verse 7 is to not use vain repetitions. Uh, verse 7, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Don't use vain words and, and just keep repeating them over and over, i.e. the Lord's Prayer even. Uh, there are religions in this world that will take what we're going to be studying tonight and say you have to say this many Lord's Prayers. And uh, also, there's a whole bunch of Hail Marys you have to say as well. And uh, they'll, they'll prescribe that. Priests will prescribe that to the people. And uh, that's not at all what, uh, what, what the Lord has taught here. He says, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Well, I've said, you know, 25 Lord's prayers today, so obviously the Lord heard me because I did that 25 times. Now, the Lord's, he doesn't need to hear it 25 times. Now, sometimes as a dad, I need to hear my kids ask for something a couple times before I kind of wake up, or sometimes my wife needs to ask me something a couple times before I'm like tuning into her. The Lord doesn't have that problem, okay? Uh, The Lord's not tired. The Lord doesn't get distracted. The Lord is focused on what we're saying, and he, we don't need to repeat things 87 times. Although we need to be faithful in our prayers, and we learn that elsewhere in um, Luke, and we mentioned that a couple weeks ago in, on a Sunday night. We talked about uh, our importunity when it comes to prayer. But we don't have to keep repeating the same thing over and over again in order for God to, like think he's impressed with us or something because of how disciplined we are by saying the same thing over and over again. And that's what verse 7 is saying. You don't need to do that. And then verse number 8 tells us that uh, God already knows what we need before we even ask him. Verse number 8, Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Like, we, we don't He doesn't need to know. It's not like you're telling God and informing him of something. God is omniscient, right? He knows all, 
including the prayer requests that we bring before him. Okay, so here that begs the question that maybe you're asking in your own mind, well, then why should we even pray? I mean, if God already knows all of our requests, why do we even need to pray? Um, well, here's, uh, I think it was Albert Barnes here in, uh, in his thought on this verse that I thought was excellent to explain this. Okay, here's what he said. He said, consequently, one great office of prayer is to produce such a disposition in us to exercise our dependence on God, to increase our desire of the things we ask for, to make us so sensible of our wants that we may never cease wrestling till we have prevailed for the blessing. So, in other words, many times when we pray, one reason to pray is not necessarily to inform God of all the prayer requests we have. He already knows what they are. But the reason to pray is to align ourselves with God and to make sure that what we're asking is within accordance to the will of God for our lives and really ultimately just basically according to the will of God. And uh, so it's more, more for us, and more to put us in the right, to align us with the Lord uh, versus Him aligning with us. So uh, those are just some introductory thoughts before we get into uh, verse number nine here. So let's go ahead and jump into the outline here for those who are taking notes. Uh, number one, as we look at this model prayer, let's look at the Lord's person. The Lord's person. In verse number nine, he says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. And again, he's not saying that these are the exact words you need to use. But after the same manner, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. So again, it's not like you have to memorize all of these words in order and say them all exactly right. Uh, he he kind of refutes that in verse 7. Don't use vain repetitions. Uh, this is just the model prayer, right? And this is just the manner of which we should pray. And so we see, first of all, here we go. Our Father which art in heaven. So that little phrase there, our Father which art in heaven. And uh, in that little phrase, we see the Lord's person highlighted there. We see the fact that he is our Father. And we see the fact that he is in heaven. Now, what does that speak to? What does that uh, help us understand about uh, who he is? First of all, it speaks of our relationship. It speaks of our relationship with him. Notice he says, our Father. He didn't say our God, our Lord. He could have, but instead he chose our Father. And uh, I, I did a little uh, word search here in the, in the Sermon on the Mount because I, I kind of kept seeing that, that word Father, that name Father, pop up as I was looking in, in this page in my Bible. I was like, man, it seems like it's all over the place. Well, I looked it up, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, is where it starts, and Matthew chapter uh, 7, at the end of that chapter, is when it ends. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the word, the name Father is mentioned 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and it, it, not necessarily God the Lord, I mean, yes, those are mentioned as well, but, uh, but Father is mentioned 17 different times. So this is a special relationship that we can have with God. Uh, we can be his children, and he can be our father. 
And uh, that is a great, a great thought. Uh, Andrew Murray put it this way. He said, this invocation or prayer places us at once in the center of the wonderful revelation that the Son, Jesus, came to make his Father our Father too. You see, Jesus, yes, his heavenly Father is God, but guess what? He came to this earth so that you and I could have the same Father as Jesus does. And uh, we become brothers to Jesus. That's, that's mind-boggling. We don't, we don't belong in the same family as him, and yet because he came, we can be. John chapter 1 and verse 12, or verse 11 says, He came unto his own, talking about Jesus, and his own sadly received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. So my friend, if you have believed on the name of Jesus Christ, then you are part of God's family. He is your heavenly father. First John chapter 3 and verse number 1 says, Behold, what manner, I mean, he was like, just let this sink in for a second. What manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I mean, that's tremendous love, that God would allow me a wicked sinner. And Paul said, you know, the chief of sinners. I would like to say, okay, well, I'm the, the general of sinners. So take that, Paul. Um, we're all sinners. We're all wicked. We don't deserve anything. We're, we're, we don't deserve anything except for the wrath of God. And yet, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, and he wants to call us the sons of God. In verse number two of that same passage says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And as a result, he becomes our heavenly father. And this relationship, by the way, uh, does not have an end. This relationship, once it starts, is a permanent relationship. You know, there's nothing that you and I are going to do where God's going to say, You know what? I disown Randy for what he did. Now, there may be times where we feel like he should do that. There may be times where, he might, where we might say, God, if, if I were you, I would totally disown me. But God says, sorry, not happening. You're my child, and no one's going to ever pluck you out of my hands. Uh, you are eternally secure in the beloved. And uh, I praise the Lord for that truth. So it's a permanent relationship. But the question is tonight... And really, the most important question there is to answer is this. Is God your Heavenly Father? Has there been a time in your life when you were born again into the family of God? If not, tonight's the greatest night ever. Because you're not guaranteed another night. So make sure that you take care of that. He wants to be your Father and went to great lengths to make it possible to be your Father. He sent His only begotten Son for you so that he could be your heavenly father. And so when we pray after this manner, our father, um, that's a pretty special relationship that that, uh, that brings to us, our father. And when we go to the Lord, sure, you can go, oh God, but you can also go, oh heavenly father, because he is our heavenly father. And uh, you may, have, may or may not have had a good relationship with your dad, uh, your earthly dad. I do and did. 
And uh, I was able to ask him questions, and I was able to come to him and say, hey, Dad, and interrupt what he was doing, and uh, it was no big deal. Uh, God wants us to uh, view him as our Heavenly Father, but there's a balance to this, okay? So first of all, it speaks of our relationship, but then it also speaks of our reverence. Because notice it says in verse 9, our Father which art in heaven. See, yes, God wants us to have an intimate relationship with, with us because he's our father, but he has, doesn't want us to become too casual either. See, there's a balance. He wants us to be intimate, but also respectful and reverent. And so lest we become too familiar, casual, Jesus reminds us that he's also the infinite almighty by telling us to pray our father, which art in heaven. You see, God is still high and lifted up. He still is the Almighty One. I want to invite you, if you have a Bible there, to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And I uh, want to look at this little passage together. Just to remind us who our Heavenly Father still is, okay? Yes, He's our Father, and yes, you can come to Him at any time, uh, for anything, for as long as you want. But He still is our Father who is in heaven. Isaiah 40 in verse number 22. Well, verse 21, let's pick it up there. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath, hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in that bringeth the princes to nothing. And by the way, all that's going on in our country today, I know it seems kind of big and daunting and crazy, and, um, but he brings the princes to nothing. Uh, all of us are like grasshoppers. Uh, it, it's, it's, like, it's like this drama going on if, if you had an anthill outside in your backyard and you kind of look down and there's all this like political turmoil going on in the anthill, and you look down and go, <laughs> yeah, all that drama that all you guys are dealing with is not a big deal. And uh, that's kind of what's happening here. Uh, I know we're kind of walking around going, oh, I can't believe what's going on. But, uh, but God's not. God's not worried about it. Uh, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. So these big and mighty and powerful people in our government right now making all these big votes and choices and all these things, uh, he, he maketh the judges of the earth his vanity, bringeth um, the speakers of the house of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall, they, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Uh, lift up your eyes on high, behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Jump down to verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. 
And by the way, if just, just to not, this is a little side uh, rabbit trail here, but verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their, their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So thought I would encourage you with that verse as we go through this crazy time right now. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I know we're weary of all of this, but uh, wait upon the Lord, and uh, we'll mount up with wings as eagles. We're going to run, not be weary, and uh, we're going to walk and not faint. But uh, here, here's the truth, okay? So yes, He is our Heavenly Father, and He loves us as a dad loves his children, and provides for his children, protects his children, and even disciplines his children. Uh, he loves us in that way, and so there is this intimate relationship we can have with him as a father-son a relationship, but we need to understand that he still is the God who does reside in heaven. And there, as a result, needs to be some reverence in our heart. And so in this prayer, Jesus is inviting us to keep a healthy balance between intimacy and awe. Uh, we should never be afraid to enter. This is a great statement that I, I saw somewhere. We should never be afraid to enter into his presence. And yet we must never forget in whose presence we are entering. So the writer of Hebrews tells us, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're, we're invited to come boldly, but let's remember where we're going boldly into. We're going into the presence of the one who does reside in heaven, who one, one who is almighty, who does reside in heaven. So we see, first of all, uh, in this prayer, there's really not any asking going on yet. There's no, and a lot of times we're like, oh, Lord, please do this in my life. But that's not here how Jesus begins this model prayer. It's our Father which art in heaven. There's a recognition of the relationship we have. There's also a recognition of the reverence we're to have with the Lord. So there's that balance there that, that we see. But then we come to number two here. Not only do we see the Lord's person, but we do also see the Lord's praise. In verse number nine again, Our Father which art in heaven, and here it is, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Now the, hall the word hallowed, or hallowed, uh, is a word that we don't usually use other than most people are familiar with that word because of the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, sometimes people say, oh, no, this is, this is hallowed ground, right? You know, you go back to your old stomping ground, oh, this is hallowed ground, you know. Or you go back to uh, a place, you know, a football field that you, you know, had your glory days in, you know, this is hallowed ground, you know. I, uh, I was topping the district, you know, and in the country, uh, and then I woke up, and, uh, and then I faced reality, okay, hallowed, we don't usually use that word a lot other than right here, okay, what does the word hallowed mean? It means to make holy, that is ceremonial, purify, or consecrate, it's a verb, it's to, it says, I want to make your name holy, as another way of saying that, okay? Psalm 119, verse number 9 says, He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. So a couple things that this little phrase speaks of. First of all, it speaks of his purity. 
of God's purity. It speaks of God's purity. He is the Holy One and His name is holy. If you remember in Exodus chapter number 20, where we get the Ten Commandments from, as, a, as Moses met with the Lord there in the mountain, and uh, the Lord inscribed on these tablets, not iPads or anything like They were like rocks, okay, just to uh, help the younger generation understand there. Uh, but in that, one of the things that he talked about is his name. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments has to do with his name. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to go ahead and turn there. You don't have to. But I kind of want to read this here. It says uh, in verse number 2, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, Commandment number 1. Verse number four is commandment number two. Thou shalt not make any unto thee graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto a thousand of them that love me and keep my commandments. Okay, number three, commandment number three. Thou shalt not take the... Name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So God takes his name very seriously, and uh, when we uh, drag his name in the mud, whether it's verbally or just by the way we're living, uh, he takes that very seriously. And so it speaks of his purity, and a couple times in the Bible... Uh, we learn that God is not just holy, but he is holy, holy, holy. Uh, There are two places. Where are they? Help me out. Once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament. Where uh, Where in the Old Testament? Isaiah, you got the right book. It's between uh, five and seven. Six, got it. Nailed it. Nailed it, okay? Isaiah 6, we uh, see Isaiah there. Remember when the king, when when Uzziah died, the Lord brought uh, Isaiah to be able to see the throne of God? Remember that? And uh, we we talked about the fact that when he was going through that difficult time, it was great for him to get his eyes on the Lord. And one of the things that not only did he see the uh, the, the throne, but he also got to hear the sounds that were going on. And one of the things he heard were those seraphims there uh, r- crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Well, so in Isaiah chapter number, in Isaiah chapter number six, and then there's also a place in the New Testament. Anybody know where that is? Revelation chapter number Four, got it. Chapter number four. And once again, we find the Lord holy, holy, holy. And so, uh, hallowed be thy name is a reference to his purity. And, and as we pray, it's a great thing for us to be thinking of God's holiness. Um, automatically, we're always thinking about what I need right now. And we're kind of like microwave Christians, you know. Hey, I'm going to push a couple buttons and I hope it comes out fast and ready for me. You know, I want, like little Caesars, you know, hot and ready. I want my prayer answered 
and it needs to be hot and ready, Lord, when I come and ask for it, like right now. But instead, here Jesus is telling us, no, when you come, think about the relationship you have with him. And think about who he is. He's not just your heavenly father, but he's also in heaven. He's, he, he's high and lifted up, and he's almighty, but then he's also holy. And so uh, think about these things before you just get into your, you know, I've got my prayer list here. Uh, let's, let's get our minds and hearts connected with the Lord and to not just zip into these prayer, prayer sessions like, Lord, I need a good parking place and I need it now. But to take that time in our prayer closet. Uh, I'm not against praying for parking places. I've done it many times. And I recommend it, actually. <laughs> um, but if that's the extent of your prayer life, you're missing out on what God really intended, see? And that's what I'm trying to convey here tonight. So it, first of all, this little phrase speaks of his purity, but it also speaks of our petition. What are we supposed to be asking when it says this? Hallowed be thy name. And this is actually the first request in this prayer. It actually is, as I mentioned, hallowed is a verb. It's an action word that means, um, I want to make your name holy. And so I'm praying, and in my heart, in my prayer, is that, Lord, your name would be made great in my life. That you would increase and I would decrease, like John the Baptist said. And that not only in my life, but in our world as well, that, that, that others would understand how holy your name is and, and submit to it. Um, and it also that, that we would bear his name well. And those of us who name the name of Christ, and I believe most of us, if not all of us in here tonight, do, well, do we bear that name well as we go out from this place? Now, we're all bearing it well tonight because we're here, and uh, you all look great and uh, all of that. But at the same time, when we leave this place, do we bear his name well in private and in public? Hallowed be thy name. And that's the prayer request there. That's the petition portion of that uh, section. Last, uh, last thought here before we're, uh, we wrap this, uh, this one up. First, and then thirdly, we see here the, the, the Lord's priority. The Lord's priority. And this is found in verse number 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, spoiler alert for next week. We, get, we, we finally get into, in verse 11, give us this, daily, this day our daily bread, right? So that's a, but it's not until we come past some of these things that we start getting into the, please, Lord, grant us, give me. See, there's, there's some time given to understanding God and who he is and thinking about his holiness. And then here in verse number 10, thinking about the Lord's priority. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so let's take here, first of all, uh, the first part, thy kingdom come. What's the prayer request in this scenario? We're, we're not asking stuff for us. We're asking stuff that, that are God's interests, right? Okay, he one day is going to rule and reign, and, and so that's a prayer request, that God would rule and reign. Okay, that God would rule and reign in my life, right? That he would be the Lord of my life and that he would 
have that throne of my heart, that I would not be on the throne of my heart like I want to be at times, that I would kick me off and say, Lord, that throne is your throne, and I'm going to try to stay off of it. And uh, that's one of the prayer requests here is that, Lord, I don't want my will to be done. I want you to be in charge. I want you to rule and reign. Thy, thy kingdom come in my own heart. But then also uh, that, you're, that you would rule and reign now in this world and that others would come to know you that would submit to your lordship, submit to your authority. But then also in the future. Uh, one day, Jesus is going to come back and rule and reign for 1,000 years. And uh, that government is going to function perfectly. There's going to be no drama. I mean, I'm not sure what Fox News is going to be reporting on. I'm not sure what CNN's going to be reporting on. Probably they won't be around much longer. Uh, that'd be nice. But uh, there's going to be no impeachment votes. There's going to be no voter fraud. No conspiracies around that particular uh, administration. And everybody's going to be good with it. All until the very end, though. I will say this. There is going to be an attempted coup um, at the end of those thousand years. And if you want to turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, you can see what's going to happen here. I mean, it's going to be a perfect reign. He's never going to make a mistake. There's going to be no impeachable offenses. But uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 1 says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, and having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So uh, the devil, for those thousand years that Jesus is reigning, Satan is not roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Um, he is cast into that uh, bottomless pit, and that's where he uh, resides for those thousand years. He has a thousand-year sentence. Well, verse 7, when the thousand years are expired... Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he shall go out to deceive the nations. This is the attempted coup is about to happen here. He's going to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. I mean, so this is no just, this isn't just a, you know, small group of zealots, you know, these radical people. No, this is a huge number. I mean, as the sand of the sea says. Verse number nine, they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. So they got their marching orders and they got their, uh, the plan, you know, they found out where they're supposed to meet and, and they all gather there and they're ready to, they're ready to do this. And, and here's what happens. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. <laughs> they didn't even really get a chance to like execute their plan that they had worked so hard on. You know, they had this big elaborate plan and all of a sudden fire simply comes down from God out of heaven and devoured them and they're just toast. Well done toast. Like the burnt toast. 
The devil that deceived them was cast in a lake of fire. This is some good news. And brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. Looking forward to that day. But there is an attempted coup that will fail miserably there. Um, but one day God will rule and reign literally physically on this earth. He does to a point rule and reign. And you know he, 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 he does rule and reign from heaven over all that's going on through his sovereignty. But one day Jesus will literally physically be on the throne and uh, govern this entire world. And it's going to be a perfect rulership. But right now, is he ruling and reigning in your heart? I hope the answer is yes. And uh, that leads to this last thought here, and that is uh, the Lord's priority that we would submit to his will. Verse number 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Not, a lot of times, you know, if we're honest, we'll be praying, Lord, my will be done in earth. Like, I want my will to be accomplished. But here he's encouraging us to not think about us and what our desires are, but that we would have a heart to submit to God's will, not to just force our own. Before we ever ask for anything, we're supposed to get into this mindset of, Lord, I want your will to be done. As I thought about that, I, I thought of Mary who prayed that as the angel Gabriel appeared to her. We talked about uh, this situation a few weeks ago as we went through uh, the Fear Not series. And as, the, uh, as Gabriel approached her, she said, ultimately, you know, be it unto me. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. He did, she didn't say, well, this is going against everything that I want to do. I was supposed to, you know, get married and have this great wedding and everything was supposed to be hunky-dory. I already have all the, you know, the colors all picked out for our wedding and, you know, I got all the flowers already and my dress already. Okay, fun fact. I got to share this story super fast. Okay. When I asked uh, my wife's uh, dad if I could have her hand in marriage, I was expecting him to give me the old father-in-law spiel, you know. Uh, you better take care of my daughter. You better, you know, provide for her and treat her right. And if you don't, I got a shotgun waiting for you. You know, that, I was waiting for something along those lines. And uh, he was like, well, it's about time you're asking because she already has all the flowers and she, got, she has her dress already. And uh, we just need to know when, uh, when, when, when we need to book the, the church because that's starting to book up. And so, yeah, we need to get... I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Okay. In, in, in all fairness, she got the dress a long time before she ever met me because they got it on this clearance sale. It was, but it was a beautiful dress. Did not look like it was a clearance dress whatsoever. Just to try to save my skin here. And also... <laughs> The flowers, they, they got on a huge sale, but she's like, I'm going to get married someday. So, hey, they're on sale. Might as well stock up on it. Um, she is a prepper, I found out that day. And as he asked that question, or as he shared that, I was like, well, just so you know, I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to love her and treat her right and all that because helping you out with the, the spiel that you were supposed to give me, I'm helping you out with it. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but um, 
But uh, anyway, Mary had it all planned out, I imagine, what her life was going to look like. And, and yet, uh, God completely changed uh, her path, and, and she had the spirit that we're supposed to have, according to verse number 10. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Like, I want your will to be done in my life and in this earth. Um, I, I don't want to stop your will from accomplishing, being accomplished. So Mary prayed that, and I think also Jesus here, as he's teaching us to pray this, right? He wasn't teaching us to pray something he wasn't first willing to pray himself. Because when we fast forward to when Jesus there is in in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, about ready to be crucified on the cross, he realizes all that lies before him, and he prays, let this cup pass from me. I, I don't want to experience what I know I'm about to. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that's the spirit we're to have before we ever start going and saying, hey, okay, can you please give me this? And I need that and this and that. Before we get there, let's have our hearts ready to say, Lord, I want your will most of all. If what I'm asking isn't your will, I'm willing to let that go. I'm willing to say no to that so that your will could be accomplished. And see, that's why we go back to verse number 8. He already knows what we're going to ask. But the idea is that prayer is for us more than for him. Now, he delights to hear our prayers. He delights to answer our prayers. But it also straightens us up a little bit and uh, puts us in a right spiritual mindset. So it's important for us to to pray. Um, Lord, teach us not just how to pray, but to pray. So as we go from this place, let's go and practice what we've heard tonight. Uh, This isn't just, this is good instruction, but it's meant to be applied and implemented into our lives. And with that, uh, let's end again with another word of prayer. And then we'll just take a moment. I know it's uh, a couple minutes after eight here, but uh, we'll just take a couple moments and look at the prayer requests. And then we'll uh, we'll be dismissed here in a moment. Lord.